Welcome to the Relevant Truth Podcast. My name is Roger Mason. This podcast is dedicated to examining biblical truth. The Bible is overflowing with relevant truth useful in our everyday lives. Thus the title, Relevant Truth. The Bible was relevant to those that first heard it through the apostles and prophets. It is also timeless truth, which means it is relevant for us today in the 21st century. It is my hope that through this podcast, you will be both encouraged and challenged as we look at the Bible together. In this podcast, we'll be looking at the Christmas story found in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. Think about how the life of Mary and Joseph were disrupted, challenged, and changed by the birth of Jesus. Mary and Joseph were required to surrender to the plan and will of the Father, even though it subjected them both to great difficulty. The nature of surrender, that is the big idea in today's podcast. So let's look at Matthew chapter 1, reading verses 18 to 25 in the New Living Translation. Now this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, being a just man, decided to break the engagement quietly, so as not to disgrace her publicly. As he considered this, he fell asleep, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary, for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. He brought Mary home to be his wife, but she remained a virgin until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Now let's turn to Luke chapter 1 and read verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can I have a baby? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy, 
and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel left. In order to understand these scriptures, it is important to understand the Hebrew custom of marriage. Marriages were arranged for individuals by their parents, and contracts were negotiated by the parents. After this was accomplished, the couple was considered married, and they were called husband and wife. They did not, however, begin to live together. Instead, the woman continued to live with her parents and the man with his parents for one year. The waiting period was to demonstrate the faithfulness of the pledge of purity given concerning the bride. If she was found to be with child during this period, she obviously was not pure, but had been involved in an unfaithful sexual relationship. Therefore, the marriage could be annulled. If, however, the one-year waiting period demonstrated the purity of the bride, the husband would then go to the house of the bride's parents and in a grand processional march lead his bride back to his home. There they would begin to live together as husband and wife and consummate their marriage. The Christmas story should be understood with this background in mind. It was during this one-year waiting period that Mary was found to be with child. Both Mary and Joseph were asked to be the key participants in the greatest event in human history. God visited earth as man. This is called the incarnation, God becoming man. In this story, God told both Mary and Joseph what he required from them. They both chose to surrender to God's will. Today, we want to examine the nature of this surrender. In the examination of this story, let's first look at the act of surrender. First of all, let's look at Mary's surrender. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Six months after his appearance to Zechariah, resulting in Elizabeth's pregnancy, Gabriel now appears to Mary in Nazareth. Verse 27 tells us that the angel Gabriel came to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Luke is very clear that Mary was a virgin. The angel speaks to Mary in verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. The angel predicts five things about Mary's son. These are found in verses 32 and 33. The first thing is that he would be great. That's found in verse 32. The second thing is that he would be called the Son of the Most High, that he would be God. 
That's also found in verse 32. And then thirdly, God would give him the throne of his father, David, so that he would be a king. That's also found in verse 32. So in verse 32, it tells us that he would be great, that he would be God, and that he would be a king. Now in verse 33, the angel goes on to predict that he would reign over the house of Jacob forever, so that he would be eternal. And then fifthly, that his kingdom would never end. The angel told Mary that her son would be great, that he would be God, that he would be a king, that he would be eternal, and that his kingdom would never end. Mary's son was no ordinary child. Mary's son was a king who would be eternal and who would be God. Then in verse 34, Mary says to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? How can I bear a child when I have never known a man? How can she bear a child when she has never had an intimate sexual relationship with a man? This question again confirms her virginity. The angel's answer comes in verse 35. The Holy Spirit will make this all possible. It would be a miracle of God to bring this to pass. Verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Verse 36, the angel then breaks the news to Mary that Elizabeth, her relative, was in her sixth month of pregnancy. She who was barren was now pregnant with a child. The miracle of Elizabeth's pregnancy would be an assurance to Mary that God was in this. With God, nothing will be impossible. Verse 37. In verse 38, it records that Mary surrenders to the will of God. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary yielded herself to the Lord's will, permitting him to accomplish his purposes through her. Mary surrendered to God's will. Now let's look at Joseph's surrender found in Matthew chapter 1. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 that Mary was promised in marriage to Joseph, but the wedding had not yet taken place. In New Testament times, the betrothal or engagement was more binding than a modern day engagement. The first century in betrothal could only be broken by a divorce. Even though an engaged couple did not live together until after the marriage ceremony, unfaithfulness on the part of the betrothed was treated as adultery and punishable by death. Verse 18 tells us that Mary was with child by the Holy Spirit. In all human history, there had never been a virgin birth before this time. When the friends and family of Joseph and Mary discovered Mary to be pregnant, there could only be a few possible explanations. Number one, Joseph and Mary could not wait until the wedding night. That's a possible explanation. Number two, Mary was unfaithful to Joseph. That's a second possible explanation. 
Mary having a child through the power of God would not be one of those explanations for her pregnancy. Joseph knew the first option was not true, that Joseph and Mary could not wait until the wedding night. So what conclusion do you think that he came to? Verse 19 tells us that Joseph did not know the true explanation of Mary's condition. Joseph, no doubt, was upset for at least two reasons. Number one, Mary was unfaithful to him, at least so he thought. And secondly, he may be accused of being the father of this child that Mary was carrying. He might be accused of being the guilty one, the unrighteous one, the reason for Mary's pregnancy. He knew that this was not true as well. Joseph probably was searching for options. What could he do about Mary's pregnancy? And he decided a quiet divorce was the best thing to do. His love for Mary prompted him to break the betrothal with a quiet divorce. This would save Mary from public disgrace and possible death. Joseph chose not to create a public scandal by exposing Mary's pregnancy and her condition to the judges at the city gate. Such an act would result in Mary's certain death by stoning according to the law of Moses. This is found in Deuteronomy chapter 22 verses 23 and 24. While Joseph was mapping out his strategy to protect Mary and divorce her, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Matthew 1 verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph was told directly by the angel that Mary's pregnancy was a miracle by the Holy Spirit and that his hesitancy in marrying her was unfounded. Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 1 verse 20. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. That's Matthew 1, verse 25. Joseph followed through with the wedding plans as he was instructed by God. First, we've looked at the act of surrender on the part of Mary and Joseph. Now we want to look at, secondly, the cost of surrender. Our surrender to God will always cost us something. In most cases, it will cost us dearly. But the rewards certainly outweigh the costs. When we stand on this side of surrender, we often can't see the rewards, only the costs. The costs often look so huge that we often shrink back from them. The Bible tells us to count the cost. We are to examine carefully the costs of following Jesus and becoming a Christian. In Luke 14, verses 25 to 33, Jesus tells his followers to count the cost of discipleship. First, Jesus tells his disciples that their loyalty to him must be greater than their loyalty to their families. Secondly, Jesus tells them in that portion of scripture that they will have to bear a cross that there will be a cost that will come with following Jesus. It will not always be easy to be a follower of Jesus, but the cost is certainly worth it. 
We will encounter difficulties in following Christ, but it is still worth it. Jesus gives them two illustrations in Luke chapter 14 that emphasizes the importance of counting the cost. One must count the cost as a man builds a tower and as a king goes to war. In both of these cases, it's important that one counts the cost before building a tower and counts the cost before going to war. In the final analysis, Luke 14, verse 33, Jesus says, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Carefully look at the cost and then make your decision. Many refuse to surrender to Jesus Christ because they feel that the cost is too much. Jesus is asking too much of them and therefore they are unwilling to pay the price. Jesus tells us to examine the cost and assess what it will cost us and then make a decision as to whether we want to pay that price or not. It may involve giving up things that we don't want to give up. It may involve facing things that we do not want to face. It may involve doing things that we do not want to do. So therefore, it is important for us to assess what it costs and whether we are willing to pay that price. Jesus challenges the rich young ruler with the cost of discipleship. The rich young ruler thought the cost of surrender was too high. In Luke 18, verses 18 to 23. In verse 19, the rich young ruler approaches Jesus and says, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus recites five commandments. In verse 21, the rich young ruler says to Jesus, All of these things I have kept from my youth. In verse 22, Jesus goes on to say, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. In verse 23 it tells us, But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. It appears that Jesus was really hard on this man. Jesus forced him to count the cost of discipleship, and this man was unwilling to pay the price. Our riches can be a deterrent to following God. And in this case, it was. Verse 28, then Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. In verses 29 and 30, Jesus replies, so he said to them, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Zacchaeus also understood the cost of surrender to Christ. He was willing to pay the price. Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. That's Luke 19 and verse 8. Up to this time, he had been gouging as much as possible from the poor. He planned to give half of all that he had to the poor. 
he also planned to make fourfold restitution to any money that he had gained dishonestly. This was more than what the law demanded. Exodus chapter 22 and verses 4 and 7. It showed that Zacchaeus was willing to pay the price of discipleship. He who was mastered by greed now looked to Jesus as his master. Generosity was the key to breaking the bondage of greed in Zacchaeus' life. Think of the cost of surrender that both Joseph and Mary faced. Joseph and Mary were going to have a baby supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph was not the biological father of this baby, and Mary was pregnant. What was this going to look like to those around them in first century Jewish culture? Think of the consequences of having a child outside of marriage in this culture. Let's look at some of the possible consequences that both Mary and Joseph faced. First of all, conflict. How would Mary explain to Joseph her pregnancy? Conflict between Joseph and Mary was certain to arise. Should Mary even tell Joseph? Would he be understanding? An angel told me that God was responsible for my pregnancy. How would Joseph take that information? How would anyone in the first century take that explanation? Mary was in a very difficult situation to say the least. We can certainly see conflict would arise between Mary and Joseph, between Mary and her family, between Mary and the entire Jewish community. Rejection would be inevitable. Joseph's rejection of Mary, Mary's rejection by her family and by her friends, the rejection of Mary's explanation, the rejection of the religious community. There were all kinds of consequences to Mary's predicament. Also, divorce. Would Joseph divorce her when he found out? Here we have Mary left with a baby with no support from a husband, from her family, and from the religious community. This was highly likely in the situation that Mary found herself in. Misunderstanding was another possible consequence. Living with this consequence of having a baby and no one believing what she said living with this truth and no one believing her. This would mark her for the rest of her life. The misunderstanding between Joseph and Mary with all of this. The misunderstanding between Mary and others. This was highly likely in her situation. This was another consequence that she had to face. Accusation. The accusation of being unfaithful. The accusation of being immoral being a sinner, being unrighteous, having no integrity, being ungodly. All of these things, both Joseph and Mary would have to face. This was part of the consequence of their situation. And even death. Pregnancy outside of marriage is a violation of the law of Moses and punishable by death, according to Deuteronomy 22, verses 23 and 24. If Joseph was guilty, he would also be under the same penalty. So there was the penalty of death for both Joseph and Mary. So all of these were consequences of the situation that they found themselves in. Mary and Joseph were both told by God that this was his doing. Think of the consequences of having a child outside of marriage in this culture, 
even if God was responsible for the pregnancy of Mary. They were willing to face these consequences because God required it of them. We look at the Christmas story and we know the entire story from beginning to end. We know that God was responsible for the birth of Jesus. Mary and Joseph were living this out. They did not know what was going to happen to them. They had to trust God. Mary and Joseph paid a huge price in being the couple to care for this infant Jesus. One of the first things that Joseph had to do to protect Jesus from being slaughtered by Herod the Great was to move his family to Egypt. Matthew chapter 2. This was all part of the cost of surrender. Their surrender was costly. Simeon, a devoted man, was supernaturally led to Mary and Joseph and prophesied over them about this child in Luke chapter 2. This was also part of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon said four things about Jesus that would impact Mary. First, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. People would love Jesus and people would hate Jesus. People would support him and people would be against him. He would divide the people of Israel. He still does this today. He divides people. Mary would live to see how his son would divide the people of Israel. Secondly, he would be a sign which would be spoken against. Jesus would be spoken against. There would be a great amount of opposition to Jesus. He would bring out the worst in people, the bitter animosity of the human heart. Jesus would bring that out. Mary would witness this hatred. A third thing that was prophesied, because of your son, a sword will pierce through your soul. Not something you really want prophesied over you. This involved the cost of Mary's surrender. The grief which would flood Mary's heart when she would witness the things that people would say and do to her son, including the crucifixion of her son. John 19 and verse 25 tells us, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Mary witnessed the scourge and crucifixion of her son. She witnessed the way that these Roman soldiers treated and beat and tortured her son. She witnessed the cruel crucifixion of her son. And then fourthly, the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The thoughts of many hearts would be revealed by Mary's son. The way in which a person responds to Jesus would be a test of their inner motives and affections. This is all part of the cost of Mary's surrender to God. She would view these things concerning her son in her lifetime. This was all prophesied by Simeon. Part of her surrender involved enduring these things. Part of Mary's surrender involved enduring the things that this world would do 
to her son. Jesus said, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Matthew 10 and verse 34. What did Jesus mean by this? I think the context explains this. Jesus warned his disciples that to surrender to him may create conflict in the family. There is a cost involved in surrendering to Jesus. It can divide the family. It causes conflict between family members. Surrender to Jesus may involve conflict between family members. Our love and loyalty to Jesus must be stronger than our love and loyalty to the family. In John 8, we read about a heated discussion between Jesus and the religious leaders. One of the questions the religious leaders asks of Jesus is this, Where is your father? This appears to be an innocent question. John 8 and verse 19, Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. As the discussion becomes more heated between Jesus and the religious leaders, out comes the real agenda that these religious leaders have in this question. We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. That's John 8 and verse 41. What they were saying was this. We are not illegitimate children like you are. Apparently the gossip that Jesus had been conceived out of wedlock had followed Jesus after all of these years. Both Joseph and Mary had tried to outrun this accusation, but it still followed them. And Jesus was experiencing this accusation right here in John chapter 8. This was the cost that Joseph and Mary had to endure. This was part of their surrender to God. Jesus at Gethsemane highlights the cost of our surrender in his prayer. O Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. That's Matthew 26 and verse 42. Here we see Jesus surrendering to the Father's will. Calvary was part of Christ's surrender to the will of the Father. First, we looked at the act of surrender by Mary and Joseph. Secondly, we looked at the cost of surrender. Now, thirdly, we want to look at the result of surrender. The result of surrender is reward. The reward of surrender far outweighs the cost. Unfortunately, the reward usually doesn't come immediately. It follows much later. We may pay a high price to be a follower of Jesus, but the cost is certainly worth it, and reward will follow. Think about what resulted from Joseph and Mary's surrender to God's will. It was Joseph and Mary who introduced the world to Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Yes, it was a high price to pay. Yes, it cost Joseph and Mary dearly to father and mother the Messiah, the Son of God. The result of their surrender to God was blessing. Not only was Abraham's family blessed with the promised Messiah, but all of humanity was blessed with the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. Surrender and obedience to God 
always brings reward. Adrian of Nicomedia was a guard in the Roman army under Emperor Galerius Maximian. It is said that while presiding over the torture of a band of Christians, he asked them what reward they expected to receive from God. They replied, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. Impressed by the conviction and amazed at the courage shown by these persecuted Christians, he declared himself one of them. In true Roman form, he was promptly arrested, tortured, and executed as a Roman officer, martyred in 290 AD after his conversion to Christianity. Adrian clearly saw the cost of surrender to Christ. He obviously believed that to surrender to Christ was worth it. I am not asking you to be a martyr. I am saying it is worth it to live a life of surrender to God. Surrender to God is costly, but worth the trouble. Surrender to God always results in great reward. Join us in two weeks for our next episode of Relevant Truth. Never miss an episode of the podcast by subscribing on iTunes. If you like this podcast, why not rate and review the podcast on iTunes? You can also visit my website, relevanttruthpodcast.com, where you will find an archive of all of my messages and book recommendations. You can also contact me at rockrevmason.com. 79 at gmail.com. That is R-O-C-K, Rock, R-E-V, Rev, M-A-S-O-N, Mason, 79 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.